Okay, okay. Uh, good morning, church. Um, happy belated Solar. Uh, happy belated Lunar New Year's. And uh, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Um, if you are American, right? But uh, <laughs> um, happy Valentine's Day to, to Susie Park. <laughs> but um, yeah, I hope you guys had a great weekend. It's, uh, um, I hope you guys ate a lot. I ate a lot. Uh, I spent some time in the east and climbed Sorak Sun. And um, I'm a little bit sore, but hope you guys had a great time. It's interesting times right now. It's very strange, especially this Seollar. It's very um, weird to gather with a four-person limit. Um, Seollar is huge here in Korea, and it's just so interesting to... To see that we're trying to have a great time, a meaningful family time, a new year, with the backdrop of a ongoing pandemic still. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I got to take a step back and remember, oh my, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like I forget because we're getting used to so many things. And um, as I was climbing Sorak-san, um, it was refreshing for me. I needed it. I needed to get out there in nature to kind of recalibrate the smallness of who I am and the grandness of who God is. And I encourage you, um, you know, if, if we live in the city, we got to take some moments to kind of unplug and go out into nature. Uh, when you go out into nature, it really does recalibrate you and puts things into perspective. Um, today's message, I want to start off by sharing... Um, a title of a song, a song that we at New Philly, we sing many times. It's a modern song, and it's called, God, I Look to You. God, I Look to You. And the lyric, lyrics go like this, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. When you sing this song, when you think about these lyrics, even uh, today, what is the prayer of your heart? When you're singing this song or thinking about this song in your mind, what's actually going on in your heart? When you pray, when you sing, Give me wisdom, God. You know just what to do. This song is such a powerful song to sing in any season of our lives because we're constantly going through something and we're constantly having to make choices and decisions. We're asking God constantly for wisdom. Wisdom for what? When I think about this song, I, I ask God and I'm praying in my heart, God, give me wisdom in leadership. As a young pastor, God, give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Teach me how to lead this church. Teach me how to disciple this flock, especially through these times. God, give me wisdom in how to navigate this pandemic. Give me wisdom with my finances. God, give me wisdom with leading a house church. You may be wondering even, God, give me wisdom in how to parent, how to be a good mother or father. 
God, give me wisdom in these future decisions I need to make. Should I stay here longer? Should I go? How are you leading me, Lord? Give me wisdom in my marriage, Lord. We're constantly crying out for wisdom. We may not want wisdom as strategy in leadership. We may want wisdom as a compass for direction. We may want wisdom as a source of peace to understand the whys of suffering. Why does this have to happen? How do I deal with this, God? Wisdom in knowledge to satiate the curiosities of our minds. At the end of the day, we want to make the best decisions and the best choices that both honor God, but also is, is wise, is, is, is best for us and to our loved ones. But we got to recognize, church, that there is a difference. And if we were to honest with ourselves, we go back and forth. There is a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Where is the source of your wisdom? Where is the source of your wisdom? Hmm. Well, the title of my sermon today is simple. It's Growing in Wisdom. Last time I preached, I preached a sermon called Growing in Humility. Today I'm going to preach a message called Growing in Wisdom. The Bible is saturated with verses pertaining to wisdom. Matter of fact... There's a whole section right in the middle of the Bible. There's a whole genre called wisdom literature. These books of the Bible comprise of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Right in the center of the Bible. If you grew up in church with Christian parents, your parents probably guided you to the book of Proverbs. I want you to read this every day. I want you to read this every day. I grew up with parents trying to get me to read Proverbs. And uh, I would say it's pretty wise for parents to do that. I think as a parent, if I, when I become a parent, <laughs> I would probably guide my children to want to, I want them to memorize Proverbs. In Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, is a well-known verse that says, What is wisdom? The fear of the Lord. Can you say that together? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One, the knowledge of God is insight. That's what it, that's what it says in the ninth chapter of Proverbs. But let me read for us the... Mm, the first chapter of Proverbs, how it begins. And it says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Right there. For gaining wisdom and instruction. For understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the saying and riddles of the wise. And it says right there again, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. A couple chapters later, Proverbs chapter 3. If there's any 
verses in Proverbs that you have probably memorized is probably Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. We know that. But this next line, Do not be wise in your own eyes. And it says right there, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. The foundation, church, of godly wisdom, the source of godly wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Today I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture today. I'm going to be reading from the wisdom literature. Simply put, let me define the fear of the Lord for us real quick. If you're taking notes. The fear of the Lord means to have awe and reverence of who God is. Is to have awe and reverence to who God is. And it means to believe in God and who He says He is. The fear of the Lord is to have awe in who God is, but to believe in who He says He is and to take Him at His word. It's to let God define God. It's to let the scriptures define who He is and not culture. And not us molding God to shape our will and our interests. The fear of the Lord reminds us that God is God and I am not. As I climbed Saraksan, by the time we get to the top peak, you know, we're walking these steep stairs and I look down and it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. You look out and then the mountains are huge and right there you're reminded, I'm just a man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a human. God is the artist of all this. God is God and I am not. That's what I'm reminded of. When we go to the beach, when we go to places um, like the ocean, the Bahamas or Palawan or, you know, you name it, Hawaii. You sit there, just imagine yourself, close your eyes, imagine yourself sitting in Hawaii right in front of the water. You hear the waters, you feel at peace. And you get probably the revelation of that God is so good. That God is so loving. God is so intimate. He is so close. But, there's something else about the ocean that tells us about God than His intimacy and His mercy and His closeness. I'm reminded of what did the fishermen, the disciples of Jesus, how did they see the ocean? They probably saw the ocean in a totally separate, a different angle. They were fishermen who went to the heart of the sea during storms. You know, I believe that let's change the scenery in our minds. Imagine yourself in the middle of a fishing boat, the huge storm going around. There's thunders and then there's crazy waves. Your boat is about to tip over. It's not that same revelation of God now, is it? Now we get a different revelation of God. Now we get the revelation not only that God is good and intimate, but God is great and mighty and holy. The fear of the Lord. 
The author of Proverbs, as I read here, his name is Solomon. His name is Solomon. I want to share with you about the life of Solomon. And then I want to share more about what the wisdom literature says about wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Who is Solomon? I don't know a lot of people named Solomon. I wonder why. Um, I don't think Solomon is a, um, a bad guy. I think he's just like one of us, right? Solomon, his birth was rough. Okay? Solomon, he's a son of David, King David and Bathsheba. He is birth, he was birthed out of adultery. That's how he was born. He's a third king of Israel, King Saul, King David, and then King Solomon. He became king at the age of 12, at 12 years old. He was young, he was zealous, he was willing. And of course, what did he do? What did he ask God for? At 12 years old, king over this nation, he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. Who would not ask for wisdom in this situation? And then his father, David. What were his father's last words, last advice to Solomon? In 1 Kings chapter 3, David says to Solomon this, Solomon, my son, walk in obedience to God. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. In essence, David is saying, saying this, Live your life according to God's law. Fear the Lord. Obey His commandments. And Solomon, what does he do? He lives according to the fear of the Lord. He has this idea. He understands in his heart that God is great and He is worthy. He begins to walk in the fear of the Lord. You know what he does? He builds this massive temple. He builds this massive, extravagant temple and he recognizes the grandness of God. This temple is known as the first temple. Is everything is made of, made of the finest timber, the finest wood. Everything overlaid with gold. This temple is a, was a physical expression of how great God was. And then he prays this powerful prayer. A prayer of dedication to Yahweh. A prayer of dedication to God, expressing his honor and reverence to God. Here he is walking in the fear of the Lord. And then soon after, God grants him wisdom. But soon after, a 180 degree turn, he turns. 180 degrees. Let me remind us, there's this verse in Deuteronomy, a commandment toward kings and leaders. It says this, He must not acquire horses and chariots, must not acquire many wives, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire excessive silver and gold. It says straight up there in Deuteronomy. He completely disregards this law. He marries the daughter of Pharaoh of Egypt for political reasons. He marries many women, not for love, but to create political alliances with other nations that worship idols. Solomon, 
He was accumulating wealth and woman. He was flexing. God clearly says in 1 Kings to Solomon, You shall not enter into marriage with them, the foreign woman, neither shall they with you. For surely, surely, God repeats Deuteronomy, surely they're going to turn your heart away after other gods. Solomon knows this in Deuteronomy. God himself reminds him of this in 1 Kings. In 1 Kings 11, it says right there, Solomon, he had 700 wives, 800 concubines. His wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. He built a high place for Chemosh and Molech. He did all, he did this, he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Solomon's heart completely turned away from God and worshipped idols. Here's my first point. You want to write this down to growing in the fear of the Lord. Point number one, growing in the fear of the Lord leads to living a life of consecration and holiness. I'll say that one more time because we don't have it on the screen. Growing in the fear of the Lord leads to living a life of consecration and holiness. What is the opposite of the fear of the Lord? Church, the opposite of the fear of the Lord is taking God's name in vain. It's disregarding His words. The opposite of the fear of the Lord is not taking God and His words for what it is. It's defaming His name. It's living our lives as if His words were not there. It's living our lives as if His presence was not here. That is the opposite of the fear of the Lord. That's what happened to Solomon. His downfall. He, has this, he had this major lust issue. Lusting after woman. Lusting after power. Lusting after reputation. And then his heart was captured away by the ways of this world. How ironic is it to see King David give direct advice to his son. Fear the Lord. Keep his commandments. And then Solomon preaches it and teaches it. And he grows in wisdom. How ironic is it that his life was completely opposite of what he preached. You know, living a life of consecration and holiness... That is something, church, that we need to grab onto for dear life, especially at this hour. Consecration and holiness. You know what I learned from the life of Solomon? Solomon was famous, guys. He was famous for wisdom to the point where so many people came to visit him just to listen to his words. If Solomon lived today, if he had a YouTube channel, 
He would have so many followers. So many people sitting at his feet, listening to his words, asking for his counsel. Why? Because Solomon had such crazy, amazing knowledge. He had a great reputation in this world's eyes. He had knowledge. He had success. He had fame. He had a great public reputation. But you know what he did not have that led to his downfall? He didn't have the fear of the Lord. He didn't have the fear of the Lord. And guess what? Church, this is what we as a corporate body need to repent of. Church, we have brothers and sisters all across this world who are being tricked and deceived into Living this life absent with the fear of the Lord. And if we were to be honest, we're all the same. We're all the same. We need to return back to living a consecrated and holy life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, at the end of his life, after all his failure, he writes Ecclesiastes. After so much regret, after so much failure, what does he say? All of this accumulation, all this reputation I made, everything how people, all of how people see me, all this wealth, it's all just a vapor in the wind. It's vanity. It's vanity. Vanity. Worthless. A waste of time. A chasing after the wind. We're all going to die anyways. What's the point? Solomon was at the apex of worldly success. Masked with religion. But empty within. And then he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Whatever my eyes desire. Whatever I wanted. I got it. I want it. I got it. Right? I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done. Everything I achieved. And the toil I had expended in doing it. Everything I threw my life after. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And he closes Ecclesiastes with this. You guessed it. The end of the matter... All has been heard. At the end of the day, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Second point. Growing in the fear of the Lord leads to living a life of humility and repentance. Say so that one more time if you're taking notes. Growing in the fear of the Lord leads to living a life of humility and and repentance. I think about prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, he has this radical encounter with the living God. He has that fear of God moment. And he gets a glimpse of God, Jesus, sitting on the throne. He gets a glimpse of the throne room of God, 
what the angels are crying out, what the elders are bowing, laying down their crowns at the feet of Jesus. He gets a glimpse of that, and then he does what? He falls on his face, prophet Isaiah, and he says the only words that can just express what's going on on the inside. He says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. He gets an encounter and a revelation of God. And then what happens? When you keep reading Isaiah 6, He says, woe is me. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord. Isaiah has a fear of God moment. Where he sees, he's reminded, he's recalibrated into the holiness of God. And his immediate response, he falls on his face and he repents. Woe is me. Recalibrates. God is God and I am not. God is holy. In the light of His holiness, I see my shame. I see my wickedness. I see my selfishness. I see that I have not lived a life according to honoring the name of God. And He repents. When we grow in the fear of the Lord, church, and I pray that we desire this, we will be humbled and we grow in repentance. We're more aware of our sinfulness. We're more aware of our sin. And we're more aware of God's holiness and His mercy. And we turn away. I pray that the fear of the Lord will come upon us. Like prophet Isaiah. Won't you pray that with me, church? Won't we pray that together on the behalf of the church? That the fear of the Lord would increase upon us. I preached many months ago on this topic of repentance, the gift of repentance. And I just want to remind us that the fruit of repentance is the ability to confess our sins to our own brothers and sisters. When we fall into sin, we already know that God knows everything. And we, we ask Him for forgiveness. We, we, we repent to God. But the fruit of that, whether we really fear the Lord or not, is whether or not we're willing to confess that sin and bring it out into the light to fellow human beings. Why is that? If we can't do that, brothers and sisters... If we can't confess our sins to one another, could it be that we fear man more than we fear God? Could it be that we are exalting our own reputation more than we're fearing God? Could it be that we're so afraid of ruining our reputation and we care so much about how other people will think of us more than how God will think of us. Brothers and sisters, it's hard to do that, isn't it? I have my brothers David Ha and, and Daniel, JS, we meet monthly. 
And there are times that even though we're close, even though we're good friends, I got to admit, there are so many times where I care so much of even what they think about me. If I were to be honest. My insecurity creeps in. But then there's that conviction in my heart when I fall into sin. When there's something I, that the Holy Spirit is poking at my heart, bring it into the light. And I feel so embarrassed and I confess my, I confess my sin to them. Because I know that it honors God. Brothers and sisters, could we be a people who walk in the light? Who live a life of humility and repentance? Let's live our lives as if God is right there. Let's live our lives as if God is right there in our thoughts. God is right here in our hearts. Let's live our lives as if the very words of God, the living God is speaking to you and I directly. Because it is real. It is real, brothers and sisters. My third point is this. My last point. Growing in the fear of the Lord leads to a life of resilient worship. Growing in the fear of the Lord leads to a life of resilient worship. There's another example in the Bible, in wisdom literature, that exemplifies the fear of the Lord. His name is Job. His name is Job. Job connects wisdom with the fear of the Lord as well. Everything had been taken from Job. Job is one of the saddest books you'll ever read. Can things get worse? Yes, things get worse. All his possessions, all his life, livestock, all his family, they all get taken one after another after another. In the book of Job, so much of it, you know what you see? Worldly wisdom. You see the juxtaposition of worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. All of his friends, his three friends, try to give him all, his, all of this advice, trying to explain all these things away. Why this happened? Why this happened? You should do this. You should do this. Trying to give him all this wisdom. But Job. But Job. Even he hears from his own wife. Doesn't it make sense to curse God at this? If God allowed this? See, worldly wisdom says we have to understand everything, every move of God, His motives and why He does it. We have to understand all that in order to trust God. Let me read for us Job chapter 28 from the words of Job. Where then does wisdom come from? After hear, he's hearing out all his friends. Where does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing. Concealed even from the birds in the sky. Destruction and death say, only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it. And he alone knows where it dwells. 
For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters. When he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm. Then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. Here it is. And he said to the human race, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. There's that phrase again in the book of Job. And then Job's response, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, same thing as prophet Isaiah. Therefore, I despise myself. Woe is me and repent in dust and ashes. All this has happened to Job and not an ounce of entitlement is there in his heart. And the God reveals himself. Almighty God reveals himself to Job. He says, where were you when I formed the heavens? Where were you when I measured in my hand how much of the ocean water is going to go in the ocean? Where were you when I created all these things? Recalibration. Job, he sees God for who God is. He sees himself for who he really is. He repents. And then you see one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Naked I came into the world and naked I shall leave. God is the one who gives and takes away, period. And then he worships. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't understand why. But one thing I do know, that God is God and God is good. He is my Lord. He is my King. And I will choose to believe His words. And I will stand strong in that place, heeding the words of David, of Solomon, all throughout the Bible. Fear the Lord and keep His commandments. Brothers and sisters, This message is not a feel-good message. Everything about this message, our flesh hates it. Everything about what I just preached, of what we see here in wisdom literature, everything is exactly what Satan does not want us to live out. It's very easy to be offended by these words. You know, as we study the end times in this next house church season, as we try to understand and seek God for wisdom, how to navigate this pandemic, how to navigate everything going on in the news right now, how to navigate all the racism, how to navigate all the division in the church, it's a mess right now. And I'm not here to preach a message to give, you know, the answers to every single one of these issues. But what I am here to confidently preach is what the Word of God says. And all starts, all wisdom starts here. 
the lens in which we need to view all things is right here. Fear the Lord. Live in awe. Live in revelation of who God is. He must increase. We must decrease. And I believe right now, church, in this time where, you know, I don't know. Like, should we just gather? I don't know. You know, how long are we going to keep doing this and, and, and doing, you know, trying to be a healthy church through Zoom? I don't know. But what I do know is that especially at this time, God is calling each and every one of us to live a life of consecration, to live a life growing in humility and repentance, and to live a life of resilient worship, allowing nothing to steal away our worship. Growing in the fear of the Lord. There's just one practical tip, one practical advice that I have to give. It's get in His presence. It's get in His presence. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take making decisions and prioritizing, reprioritizing. But if we're serious about this, we need to get in His presence. We need to behold the beauty of the Lord. We need to behold the holiness of the Lord. There are so many heartbreaking, there's so much heartbreaking news out there, even within the body of Christ. So many people we respect with the reputation, with the knowledge and all these things and It's heartbreaking. We grieve and we repent as a church for seeing these things. But church, let's not judge. Let's ask ourselves. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you individually. Have we been walking in the fear of the Lord? Our thought life the decisions we make, the things we say, the things we meditate upon, is it pleasing to God? That is what I believe, uh, that the Lord is inviting the church. That is what it means to be a part of purifying, purifying the bride of Christ and being ready for His coming as well. Yeah, I'm going to ask Lee to come. And a message like this, it's not just information that should just be written in a notepad, it requires a response. A message like this, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that it's only in this, you know, hour and a half segment where, you know, God can reveal to you all your sins and bring conviction to all these things. But I want you to take some time to ask yourself here and moving forward, God, have I become numb to sin? God, have I been living a life where I, I even acknowledge your presence with me? God, what is shaping my thought life? What is shaping the way that I think? The way that I live? Is it in light of who you are, God?
So I ask you to close your eyes where you are. And I just want to invite you into consecrating just, just these next two to three minutes. Consecrating this time and asking the Holy Spirit, God, search my heart. Speak to me. Lord, would you restore the fear of the Lord? And I want to give you a moment to pray. Even in this room, I want to invite you. Let's ask God and pray. Would you grow the fear of the Lord in my heart? Give me the fear of the Lord. Or let me grow, Lord. Let me grow, Lord, in just resilient worship. Let me grow, Lord, in consecration and not compromise. Let me grow, Lord, in integrity, Lord. Let me grow in humility and repentance. Let me do this in light of who you really are, God. Recalibrate my heart, Lord. Recalibrate me. Could you do that, church? Let me give you a couple moments. Help, help us. Holy Spirit, won't you help us?